Welcome to our latest series, the League Castle Legends series, and uh, we're going to kick off what is some longer form interviews with some uh, players of yesteryear from the uh, Newcastle Rugby League and uh, local area competitions who've either gone on to some highlights external to our competition or who've had storied careers locally. Uh, And this is the first episode, as I said. Uh, I'm, of course, your host, Chris McPherson, and we'll be joined by a man who has had a fairly distinguished career, uh, only two games in the NRL for the Newcastle Knights, but uh, he spent a lot of time over in Hull KR. He also uh, played for Italy in a couple of World Cups uh, and uh, has had a fairly solid career also playing for the Wyong Kangaroos. They're held about 22 metres out from the line, 20 metres in for the broadcast touch. The kick crossfield there by Michael Dobson. It's up high, needs to be marked. Beautifully, may score! Newcastle have scored another, and guess who's the try scorer? Josh Mantellato, I think you'll find. That man, of course, as you heard in that clip, is none other than Josh Mantellato. Thanks for giving us a bit of your time, mate. Uh, first off the rank in this series. Uh, just a bit of a, an insight, I guess, for the, the everyday man into the life and times of how, how guys get to the NRL. And you're probably not the exact, exactly the standard story of that, and we'll get into that a little bit yeah, sure. uh, in the time to come, mate. But uh, start off at the beginning, I suppose. Uh, young bloke born down here on the Central Coast. Yeah. Uh, give us a bit of a background on your first memories of footy and, and how your footy career or playing footy started out for you as a young fella? Um, so I, I grew up out at Jillaby, which uh, on acreage, like about 13 acres out there. And all I remember was having a footy in my hand and going out in the paddock after school, kicking kicking the footy, you know, practicing my drop kicks and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, I even got to the stage where I, I built my own goalpost out in the paddock just so I can practice goal kicking. So uh, I grew up out there and uh, Wyong Roos were the, the closest junior uh, footy club that I could play for so uh, I started playing there when I was nine and I uh, I played there for probably 16 years straight until I was 24 so um, I, I never wanted to go anywhere else I always loved playing at Wyong uh, playing a lot of successful junior teams as well so um, yeah, got to experience some grand finals and all that sort of stuff along the way as well. So, um, yeah, yeah, had a, had a long, long time at home. Yeah, and as you touched on there, obviously played through for a few years, moved all the way through into grade. Talk about talk to me about you know your first steps into grade and the, the first grade debut, if you can remember back then. Yeah, I um, I was I was nineteen. Um, I remember when I was eighteen, I played a lot of third grade or open age in the Newcastle comp. Um, I could have played my age group, but I I didn't I didn't want to. I really wanted to play with the seniors. Um, you know, I, I don't know why, but I just really wanted to play in the men's. Um, so I had a year in open age, a couple of reserve grade games here and there. But um, 2006, I... Um, Started the year in reserve grade and played played really consistent footy and you know we had a lot of injuries in first grade so I I got my opportunity against Maitland I think 
And, you know, like I said, we weren't going too well with all our injuries, but we got to win that day. And, you know, it was a good experience. Um, you know, I got to play alongside Dean Amos, who I looked up to when I was younger. Um, you know, he was one of our best ever fullbacks in local footy. And, you know, playing alongside blokes like Dane Cronin and um, Justin Ryder was there that year too. You know, he's an old Night Ryder? Yeah, he's a Knights old boy, so um, yeah, 2006, it was a good year, but you know, four games into it, I, uh, I got head high and broke my jaw, so it sort of put a bit of a premature end to my first grade career in 2006. So slowed down that debut season. I guess you've touched on it there, growing up and through those long years, were you a big fan of the NRL as well as the local footy? Did you follow a side? Um, yeah, I, I was a big Bermain Tigers fan. Um, Dad's a Bermain fan, so I was brought up in there um, to follow the Tigers and uh, always liked like Tim Brasher. He was a, one of my favourite players growing up. Um, yeah, you know, had a lot of heartache. I never got to saw. I never got to see the Tigers play semi-final football until I was 18. So that's a long time to wait. And, Tough road. Yeah, well, they won the comp that year too. So um, yeah, it all just happened at once. But um, yeah, the Tigers were my were my team. Of course, um, yeah, a couple of good uh, role models there. You touched on Tim Brasher as a fullback yeah. winger as well, and. Yeah. That other man you mentioned just before when you talked about you know coming into first grade, Dean Amos, one of probably you talked about him being one of Wong's better players, but probably one of the better country fullbacks that's gone around, and yeah, especially yeah. in terms of longevity, um, he was still wandering around a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, um, you know, he was the the fullback when I was coming through, um, but obviously with the injuries, he, he ended up shifting back into the halves and gave me my shot at fullback. So yeah, I used to love going to uh, watch him play when I was in my teens. Uh, you know, I mean, I'll never forget in 2002, in a major semi-final, I think it was, against the entrance, it was pouring down rain, and he literally caught the ball on our 10-metre line, zigzagged, and yeah, um, he was easily one of the best fullbacks, not only at Wong, but definitely in country football uh, in New South Wales. Yeah, he certainly was, um, and yeah, I mean, Obviously, I've been fortunate to know you from a refereeing point of view, and I remember when I first came through the first grade ranks, it was a great opportunity watching Dean. Yeah. Uh, absolutely electric, as you say. Uh, looking at that, when you were coming through the ranks, was it the goal to get to first grade for a while, or was the NRL always the ultimate goal for you growing um, up? I remember when I was 18, 19, and looking at the first grade players at Wyong and thinking how good it would be to be in their position. So, because I never played rep footy, like I, I wasn't, never played like flag for under 16s or sorry, mats and um, SG ball and all that sort of stuff. So, I I really saw Wong first grade as the the pinnacle for me personally, and you know when I made that that step up, I um. It was one of the best days ever. I, I couldn't believe the news when I got it. That I was told that I was going to play. So, um, yeah, that was that was the goal at that stage in my career. 
It is interesting because, you know, we see a lot of young guys grow up and the, and the pinnacle straight away is the NRL and it's yeah. sometimes easy to forget that it is quite a journey for a lot of people to get to that level that you did and, and by the sounds of it at that point, yeah. you thought you'd reached your pinnacle? Yeah, well, I, I never really had confidence in myself as a player. I just, I just enjoyed playing footy. So to play first grade at Wyong and to have, you know, all your teammates around you when you do something great on the field, you know, to me that was, that was living. <laughs> yeah, that was the best. And obviously it was only a couple of years later that you got another peak in the career, uh, 2009 Grand Final, Newcastle yeah. Rugby League Grand Final. It, um, you probably go down in history for a lot of other reasons, but, you know, that was a first grade premiership for you. Yeah. Uh, at what at that stage was still you know the peak of the career. Yeah. Well, in two thousand and seven, we made our first grand final, but I was out injured with a broken arm, and I was I was devastated to miss that that grand final because we went on a bit of a run in our last well, probably three four months of that season, but got the chance again in two thousand nine. Um, we had a really different team, uh, a lot of young young players coming in. And I'll, I'll never forget how hot it was that day. And the crowd, I think there was about probably seven or 8,000 there. And, and to me, that was huge to play in front of a crowd like that. Um, none of them were going for us because <laughs> we were the outsiders, you know, we're the team from the coast. Um, and, you know, Cessnock were red hot that year too. I think they finished minor premiers and touched us up in the semis. But, um, I think definitely leading up to that grand final, there was no one who had any doubt in our team that we would win or that we wouldn't win. Um, we, we were all just so confident and we went out and played the perfect first half, I thought, apart from the kickoff where they made 80 metres. But um, Another man who put on the Knights jersey that did that, Joel Edwards was the, yeah, the lead for that. Yeah, he busted us straight through the middle and... Yeah, it was, it was nervous times in that first two minutes, but uh, yeah, we, we had no doubt that we were going to win that day and that was something that I've only ever experienced a couple of times in my career when you just know that you're on. Yeah, it was a good feeling. And you end up blowing them off the park pretty comfortably in the end, the end scoreboard showed? Yeah, yeah, we are. Uh, I, th I think we, obviously the, the send-offs in the second half were a massive, massive talking point. Um, but I think we we definitely laid some a good foundation that first half to go in ten nil into the wind, um, and we just kept turning them away. So you know we laid the foundation that first half, but obviously the send offs helped our cause as well. So um, you know we took them and we made the most of it. Yeah, yeah, I was there that day, and, and it was quite an interesting. Sort of uh, atmosphere from the crowd as that started to occur, but as you say, you can yeah. only deal with the cards, play with the cards you dealt. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, it, those things happen, I guess. And uh, ten years on, mate, uh, I think it's just the two of you remaining from that grand final side, yourself and uh, Mitch Williams. Yeah, we're the only ones stupid enough to keep putting the boots <laughs> on after every year. Um, I just can't say no. Yeah, um, and Mitch, you know, he's one of the best players you'll ever play with. Um, he's, he's done it all in, you know, country footy, cup footy, you know, um, so it'd be great to play with him again for another year. 
Is that just an announcement, mate? You're going around for 2020, oh, or? Well, is it? Oh, yeah, he's, he's working on you. Oh, he's he's working on me. Oh, yeah. Great to hear. Um, and so that was obviously a high point that 2009 Grand Final. Bigger things to come in 2010. Your first taste of international rugby league. How'd yeah, that come about? Yeah. Um, so 2010 was a was a big year for rep footy as a whole because I I got to play my first ever rep game for the Rebels, the Newcastle yep. rep team. Uh, and then from that I went on to play country firsts uh, against Queensland, which was pretty cool. And uh, but the Italian, um, the well that opportunity came through Paul Franze, who is at Central Charlestown, and he uh, he pulled me aside after one game and you know asking me about my heritage because of my last name and. I said, yeah, I'm Italian. Anyway, six weeks later, I was on a plane to Italy and then um, getting ready to play a game in Wales against Wales. So that was a um, that was a pretty cool tour. I I had no idea why I was there, what I was doing, because I was surrounded by players who were from New South Wales Cup, Super League. Um, under 20s, you know, they, they rock up the training with all their Parramatta gear, their West Tigers gear, and there I was in my Wyong gear. So I, I kind of felt a bit like a fish out of water. But, you know, after you have a few bonding sessions and you win a game, it, you, you end up being mates for life. And it was uh, probably one of the best tours I've ever been on. It was, it was a great experience. Yep, and that, as you touched on, obviously that first game against Wales, you did get the win, which is yeah. always a nice way to start off in any, uh, I guess, direction of your career. Yeah. Um, and and we'll, we'll st- stay with the Italian theme for a little bit, mate. Yeah. Um, you then had the opportunity to move into World Cup qualifying a couple of years later, 2013. Yeah. Uh, and then into the World Cup from there. How was that to, to go and play at a World Cup? Probably, as you said, you know, at one point playing for one first grade seemed like a a big dream to go yeah. I think here's Josh Manolato starting for a side at the World Cup yeah it was it was all pretty uh, pretty crazy because in 2010 was my first game and then 2011 was we had to qualify for the World Cup so we had to play three games uh, over in Italy and in Serbia and that's that was a year that Cameron Serraldo Aiden Guerra and Anthony Minicello all put their hands up to play for Italy. And being a fullback, I I loved Anthony Minicello. Watching him play, um, I thought he was the absolute gun um, when he was at the Roosters. And when he put his hand up the play, I was like, holy shit, you know, I get to play with Anthony Minicello, man. This is the best, you know. Um, so... 2011, we qualified for the World Cup, and then I kind of knew heading into the World Cup in 2013, I would, in order for me to make that team, I'd have to probably make a step up to a higher level of footy. So, um, yeah, that's why I ended up leaving Wyong and heading up to Newcastle, but that 2013 World Cup was, um, you know, that was unreal. Got to play over in England and travel a bit, and. You know, Minicello came back for that as well, and Tedesco was on board, Paul Vaughan, Anthony LaFranchi, so, yeah, um, the experience with all those top 
class players was just something you know, I'll always remember. And, and I mean, uh, that, that first World Cup, certainly uh, you, know, you guys did pretty well in terms of, I guess, even the expectation, even with those names in that lineup. Yeah. Leading in, you played England and managed to knock them off in a warm-up game. Yeah, that was um, that was that was a pretty crazy game actually. We were playing in Salford, and I remember we were because we had we had some NRL class players, we had some New South Wales Cup class players, but we also had a lot of uh, Italian uh, local Italian boys who never really played at that sort of level before. So. We're all thinking, oh geez, I wonder what kind of score they're going to put on us because they had like all the Burgess brothers, Sam Tompkins, James Graham, you can name them all. They were there. But in the, in the first half, we, we were just going tit for tat. Um, you know, we kept turning them away, turning them away, and we were completing our sets. And towards the end of the game, it was 14 all, and with three minutes to go, uh, the coach, yeah, uh, he puts me back on because I think James Tedesco was getting cramped or something like that. Because he, he he actually pulled off most of the uh, the NRL New South Wales Cup team that he was going to rest for the week after in the second half. So I said, oh, I'll go back on, and um, I go on for the last three minutes, and we end up getting an error down in their end. And I'm thinking, oh, we could go for a field goal here, so. I said, all right, let's work it two to the post and I'll, I'll have a crack at field goal. I've never kicked a field goal in my life and I never have kicked a field goal since. But um, with 10 minutes out, I got the ball, I just went whooshka. Um, had James Graham screaming at me, running straight towards me, so I just sort of just kicked it and hoped and it went through and we ended up winning by a point. And that was, um, that was huge for us, you know, we parted like, we just won the World Cup. Final. Yeah, we won the World Cup. So um, that was a good stepping stone into the first game of the uh, the pool stages a week after. So yeah, that was a that was a good win and a great couple of nights afterwards. Yeah, so uh, those homemade goalposts and the drop kicks you had at Jillaby paid off, mate. They helped. They helped. Yeah, big yeah. time. Uh, awesome. And um, yeah, as we said, then you went into the World Cup games, you had Wales, Scotland and Tonga. Yeah. Started that well with a win against Wales. Yeah. You managed to get across the stripe in that one. Yeah. Then a draw against Scotland and then unfortunately a loss against Tonga, which saw the end of the World Cup for you, but still a pretty successful campaign, many would say, for an Italian side that even with those NRL players, not a lot of people yeah. really saw doing too much damage. Yeah, we, um, we, we knew we could probably match it with Wales and obviously do the job, which we did. Scotland were... They were they were smoky because in their first game they actually towed up Tonga, and when we heard the results of that, we just thought, oh, geez, you know, this is that's huge because Tonga they had all these great players in their team even back then. Um, and that Scotland game that was a really tough game. It was up in Cumbria, up in the far north. It was cold. It was wet. And, and they, they, they bashed us in the first half, you know, we were down 14-0, but to get back to 30-all I thought was a pretty reasonable effort. Um, yeah, and that last game against Tonga, that was, I think it was about zero degrees that night and there was ice all over the field. And it was one of the tightest games 
um, probably of the tournament up until probably the last 10 minutes. Um, yeah, the calls didn't really go our way and they ended up getting a couple of late tries uh, to make the score look a bit uneven. But uh, yeah, they that was a pretty successful tournament in our eyes, I guess, but I, I reckon we thought we could have made that extra little step into the quarters maybe. And then, uh, obviously, not quite to be. 2017, again, saw a number of those NRL players committing a few names that are still wandering around in the NRL. Yeah. Um, obviously, Tedesco, you touched on. Paul Vaughan, Daniel Alvaro, and Nathan Brown, who are now at Parramatta. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> skipped by Mark Minicello at that point. Anthony had yeah. moved on. Uh, another guy who you got to play alongside uh, came as well, Terry Campisi. You got to play alongside him later on, which we'll get to. Yeah. And a young bloke by the surname of Johns, who was a bit of a surprise pack of the World Cup, Jack Johns. Yeah. Um, you know, <clears throat> having all those players, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, commit to Italy again was awesome. Um, I thought Tedesco was very unlucky not to make the Australian World Cup side that year because I thought his Origin series was unreal. Um, but, you know, we're all happy to have him back in with us, obviously. So, but, um, you know, Paul Vaughan, he was. He was now one of our leaders uh, in our team, and you know Mark Minicello, he, He's one of the most professional blokes and nicest blokes you'd ever meet. So played a lot of footy with him for Italy and against him over in England when we played Super League against each other. So um, you know it was great being under him as our captain. And you mentioned Jack Johns. He um, you know, we we got on really well, even though it was probably about. 12 years older than him, 10 years older than him, but, you know, he's got a great taste in music and I respect that, you know, for a young kid to have a great taste in music, it's very rare, so, um, yeah, it was unfortunate, he, he broke his arm in the first game, but, you know, he was, he was good value, he's a good young kid. Yeah, I think we'll see plenty more of him yeah. uh, as the years come on, uh, obviously a pretty good lineage as well. Uh, not as successful the 2017 World Cup as the 2013 one in terms of scores, but uh, two losses, one win. How did you view it come the end of that World Cup? Um, it, it was difficult because losing that first game to a, a really tough uh, Ireland team, you know, we, I think a lot of the, a lot of our squad underestimated their team. I, I knew a lot of their team from playing overseas. Um, you know, I, I knew what their players could bring and and on that day, they, they all brought it. You know, they all played unreal. Um, and it was a really, really hot day. So we thought it was probably going to play in our advantage, you know, playing against a team from the north uh, of England or in Ireland as well. Uh, but, you know, they, they came up with a perfect game plan and they executed it well. And losing that first game, it really puts the rest of the tournament on, on, the, on, on your heels because you know for, for us lower teams in those groups you have to finish at the top of your group and because we lost that first game it was it was going to be pretty tough going to end up finishing on top of that group after the three regular games so um, you know we we had a good win against USA in the second game one by 40 which was good for our foreign against but last game we had to beat Fiji by about 40 as well but, um, you know, we, we stuck it to them for the first 50, 55 minutes. Uh, we had the lead on them, but they ended up running away with it in the end. So, 
yeah, it was, looking back, it probably wasn't as successful as the 2013 World Cup, but um, I thought a lot of the poor, a lot of us learnt a, probably a, a lot of lessons in regards to, you know, you've only got three games, you need to make the most of it. Yeah, so, and how do you as a whole, I guess, look back on that whole experience, you know, it was a seven, eight year window playing for Italy, something, as you say, you, you never even probably considered until Paul Franze approached you that day. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do, do you feel more of a tie to that side of your heritage, I guess, from that or? Yeah, well, I think um, it, it definitely, uh, it opened up a lot of avenues for me personally as a footballer. Um, but it also just, you know, I don't know, like being Italian, it, it's very family orientated. And when you went away on these tours, you might not know someone at the start of the week, but after four weeks, like you can, like you don't want to say the cliche, but you know yep. they're like your brother. So, um, you know, I went to one of the boys' weddings last in October. You know, and I and I can honestly say we've spent one, two, three tours together, totaling about twelve weeks. So that's the only time I see him because he lives in in Cairns. Yep. So I've only ever seen him for twelve weeks, and you know I'm, I'm going to his wedding. So that's how close you get to to those sorts of um your teammates in those sorts of environments. So great experience, and um yeah, my last game was last year again. Um, played a couple of test matches at the end of last year, so it's always good going back. You know, it's like it's like you never left. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome, mate. Um, just jumping, jump around a little bit with the, the timelines, obviously, with covering the Italy stuff there. Going back, 2012, as you said, yeah, you left while. Yeah. It would have been a hard decision, obviously. You could tell that the way you talked about it before. and Just went up the freeway a little bit and joined the Knights of the New South Wales Cup. Yeah. How did you find that step up in class and the, the change of environment? You know, you've been at Wyong, obviously, for 15 years or so. Yeah, yeah. How, how did that uh, feel? Um... <clears throat> I probably felt I was ready for a jump up like that. Um, you know, being 24, going on 25, um, and I knew that with the World Cup around the corner, I needed to play a high level of footy, so it was good motivation for me to, to do that. Um, you know, I, I knew the coach, I knew the assistant coach, which helped. Um, you know, they sort of rang me up in the off-season asking if I was interested and so who was coaching at that point at the North uh, Cup? Rick Taylor okay yep. yeah so you know one of the most experienced coaches going around and Ian Burke was one of the assistants um, who helped me massively with my rugby league so um, I, got, and I also kind of felt that Wyong in the local comp I had achieved everything I wanted and needed to which I had you know I'm on a comp I did all the rep stuff so um, I really wanted to make the next step and like I said being 25 I was ready you know when I was 19, 20 I don't think I was ready I um, when I was playing first grade at Wild I got a little bit of interest from Brian Smith when he was at the Knights there but when I knew he was coming to games I really froze and didn't play well so it kind of told me that I wasn't ready for that sort of stuff and going to play New South Wales Cup that year was it was um, it's a 
It's probably one of the, the most fun years I've had in footy. Um, most of my first years at a club are the most fun because I think you're starting again. And um, we had a we had a great New South Wales Cup team that year. You know, Wes Nagama and Kevin Nagama, Robbie Rocco, Junior Sow, a lot of regular first graders. So um, yeah, we ended up playing every single game and being on the wing every single game. So that was a goal of mine and ended up getting like top point score as well, which was pretty cool. Yeah, it was a pretty pretty decent tally too. North of three hundred points, three hundred and six points for a season. Yeah, yeah, that's um that was up until then it was the most I've ever scored by a mile. Um we yeah. It was we, like I said, we had a really good team and that was probably the best year I've ever had with the boot as well. I was kicking really well. I did a lot of practice uh, at training, you know, um, with Mitch Williams because we would drive up together. Um, so he'd hang back with me and we'd, we'd kick for about half an hour every night. And, um, yeah, because that was sort of my... That was probably the thing I had under my belt was goal kicking. Yep. And to be honest, I've achieved what I've achieved in footy because of goal kicking. I would say that 100% because of I can kick a goal. So it helps, you know, you're, you're scoring one third of your team's points. So, you yeah. might have been a bit modest there, mate. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they just sign up guys just because they can goal kick. But yeah, no, you're definitely you know, it helps. a prodigious goal kicker. And uh, so at that point, you're at the, at the Knights New South Wales Cup. Are you looking further ahead? Are you looking going, geez, maybe I can get into the NRL? Obviously, as you touched on, there's a bunch of regular first graders and some of those names you ran through, most of them, outside backs as well. Yeah. So there was a lot of depth. The Knights were in a really good position at that time. Yeah. Um, I I didn't think I would make that step probably until later in the year. Um, obviously with how I was playing and getting the chance or the invitation to train full-time in the next off-season, oh, sorry, pre-season like with the first grade squad so um, it was then when I thought you know this is probably going to be the one and only opportunity you get at this level to train at this level so make the most of it which I did and um, those uh, that pre-season 2012 leading into 2013 was uh, a good opportunity um, you know, this time Mitch Williams wasn't there with me, so I had to drive up Newcastle by myself six days a week. And this time, instead of training in the afternoon, we were training first thing in the morning. So, you know, I was waking up 4.30am every morning, having my breakfast and then up the freeway, um, you know, to get flogged all day. And, um, you know, because I wasn't used to that sort of training, I had to go in two weeks earlier than everyone else to to really get the weights and um, get some mass on my body, you know, before we started. Otherwise, I would have just shredded down to a greyhound, which I already was. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was it. It was a tough eight weeks. Um, I, you know, I, I probably, my, my strong point was my fitness. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely needed work in the gym and all that sort of stuff but it, it was great it was a great experience and so just going back half a step 
before you got the offer to go and play full time or train full time, yeah. what were you doing? Because obviously you weren't a full time footballer at that point, and how were you balancing things before that, and how has that changed? Yeah, well, I was a personal trainer, so I pretty much did that job so I could um, like work around footy. Yep. So, and obviously, probably get an insight into how to train and all that kind of stuff. So that's the reason why I became a personal trainer. And um, yeah, it, having that kind of job really was pretty flexible with me doing all the training for footy. Yeah, and so obviously, as we said, moved on to that full-time training squad and it was still a fairly long road from there before we got to the end of May. Yeah, yeah. And you got the tap on the shoulder late in the week, I understand, from uh, Wayne Bennett at the time. Yeah, I got, it was, because after uh, the summer pre-season training, you go off for Christmas. A lot of the um, that the like sort of second tier squad they go back and train in the afternoons, like just part time. And I was one of those, so I wasn't back in the full time squad. So you know, I was just playing New South Wales Cup and training in the evenings on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Then I got a call on Tuesday asking if I could come in the morning because Uate was injured just to fill in. So I went in on Wednesday morning to to the normal NRL training. Just ran in uh, their training schedule. And then after training, I was told to come back on the Friday. I thought, oh, okay, that's cool. Um, you know, I'm my own boss pretty much, so no dramas. Um, went in on the Friday and had the video sessions in the morning, like, because we're playing South Sydney and we had to divide up into our left, right edge, middles. I got pulled into the right edge video session. I still had no idea I was gonna play, but the way they were talking in, in the video session, it was as if they were talking to me as if I was gonna play, and I was like, feeling a bit weird because you know I wasn't the only one up for that position yet and so um, and then we go out to for field session and I was just rotating with a couple of other players just on that wing spot training was done and I was having to kick around because I thought you know at the end of the session I'll do some goal kicking as well and Wayne just comes over to me hands in his pockets and he says you're in I said, cool. <laughs> um, in my head, I'm flipping out. And he goes, so um, pack your bag and we're gonna leave the Savo. I said, righto. He goes, good. And he just walked off. <laughs> and I was like, holy fuck. <laughs> what just happened? Um, so you're in a spot at that time that you're ready to go or have you got to dash home and get back there? Well, training up in Newcastle, I live down here on the coast. So I still had time to do a bit of goal kicking, kick catch practice. Um, I had to talk to the media as well because I think they just got told. So I did all that sort of stuff and then jump in the car, ringing everybody in the car on the way home, hands free. You know, I wasn't on the phone. Of course. Um, so yeah, got home, packed my bags and then got dropped off at a Rimba for the team bus to come through and pick me up on the way to Sydney. So 
it all happened pretty quick. But yeah, I I knew being 26 years of age, I got to experience it and take it in. Like a moment like that, rather than being an 18, 19 year old who would probably just let it sort of pass him by, I guess. So I made sure that I made the most of that that 24, 36 hour period. It was a Saturday night game down there at ANZ. I happened to be down there for this one. I know that you had a fair contingent and Mitch Williams was one of those that was down there. There was plenty of the boys that came down to watch. Yeah. Uh, end result, not ideal, but you did manage to break the duck straight away in the first game. Uh, went over pretty much untouched, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it, um, we, though, I think it was South Sydney were coming second, or they were doing really well that year, and, you know, we, we, we had a good start to the year too, but I think we'd lost a couple leading into this game, and there was a lot of talk about, you know, really putting it to them, because it was origin period. So we're both missing key players, but it was probably not we could actually get them. We started really well. Um, we're up 12 nil, and you know Marcus scored the first try, and thank God he scored reasonably close to the post for my first kick. So it sort of just eased a little bit. But um, yeah, I, I remember we were 10 metres out from their line, and we had this backline play set up, and and I could see as soon as it left Cade Snowden's hand that we had a massive overlap. I'm thinking. This could be on here, and then Kev just threw the best pass to me straight on my chest, and nothing but me and the, the trial line right there in front of me. And I just remember, as soon as I dove, I was screaming off the top of my head, you know, like it, you know, pumped. Couldn't believe it. Um, yeah, it was just, it was one of those sort of experiences that you can't believe was actually happening. Like I nearly wanted to look up the video just to make sure that ref hadn't gone to video ref or something like that, like just to confirm it. So, um, yeah, that was just one of the one of the highlights of my life. And I actually remember running out um, onto the field before the game for kickoff and like, I wasn't nervous at all. It was like, hell yeah, it's finally here, I'm ready. You know, like I was just, I, was, I had the giggles. I was literally, I was running out and I was giggling, like I was going, this is sick, I can't believe it, I'm here. So, yeah, we didn't get the win, but it was a um, wicked night. I enjoyed it, yeah. And then it was 12 months of the day before you got another shot. Yeah, yeah. I, Round 12 again, and again the 1st of June. 1st of June. Nice little anomaly for you. Yeah, that was weird. Um, not as successful as the, uh, the first game, but... Um, you obviously knew a bit earlier about this one with it being at Mount Smart. Yeah, probably a couple of days before um, I had a bit of a ankle complaint heading into it and I was probably not feeling the most confident playing but I wanted to play um, and yeah I just remember getting absolutely peppered by Sean Johnson and uh, Chad Townsend just kept kicking it to me, just bombing it to me. So Manu Vatavai was screaming down at me every time. And yeah, that was that was a tough game over there. Um, yeah, I got, I got put on show that night. And 
happens sometimes, it doesn't happens, it? It happens, I guess, yeah. But I did my best. I guess you can still take that positive out, mate. 100% goal kicking record in the NRL. Well, six yeah, six. six from six. I'll take that. Take, take that. Better than most. Um, and obviously, went back to New South Wales Cup at that point, rounded out the year with third time in a row, I believe, named on the wing of the New South Wales Cup team of the year, which no mean feat to do it once, let alone three times. Yeah. How did it then progress that it was time to depart these these shores at the end of 2014? Um, I hadn't spoken to Newcastle about... Um, continuing on the following year, I I'd been there for three years. I thought, you know, I'd, I'd achieved quite a bit. You know, like you said, the uh, team of the year three years in a row, point scorer three years in a row as well, and, and, to, and to debut as well, and you know, play rep footy. So I thought you know, I probably achieved a lot more than I thought I would. Um, my intention was in it was to then go back to Wong play New South Wales Cup and study full time. So I'd like to look forward to the career after footy. So that was my intentions because we had Sione, Chanel Matadia, Jake Mamo, all these young outside backs coming through and I was just thinking, well, what's the point? So that was my intention for the following year, but because I was playing with Clint Newton and Michael Dobson, they played overseas, and they were sort of asking me if I was interested in playing in Super League, and I was like, yeah, I'd, I'd give it some thought. Uh, and then the next minute, my manager rings me, says, there's a deal, three years ready for you if you, if you want to go. Thing is, you've got 24 hours to sign it. So that was probably the worst 24 hours of my life having to have those tough conversations with the most important people in my life. Um, and I said yes, you know, because it was, for me, that was a great opportunity, a great goal as well to play Super League. So, um, yeah, did it, jumped on a plane three months later and, um, you know, I was happy and content with how I finished in Newcastle. We lost... The, the Cup Grand Final that year, which was unfortunate, but I was so happy with the three years that I had there and um, the people I met, the people I worked with, I played with, and, you know, the, the fans as well. Even though I was a lesser-known player, you'd still get fans to the Cup games and they'd still say hello to you. And, yeah, it was just one of those experiences that really makes you appreciate and probably it gives credit to the hard work you've put in over the years, I think. So, yeah, it was good. Touching on fans from the New South Wales Cup, mate, it was 2014, you sort of made your way onto a few of the, the sports and footy shows with a little clip where you were lining up a goal, I think it was against Balmain or West yeah, yeah. at the time. <laughs> you want to talk us through that one? Did that stick in the memory at the time? or? Yeah, it did, it did because... Um, it was getting a bit of a run on the, the Matty John show a couple of times and, um, you know, I was getting the piss taken out of me by all my mates, which was sweet. Like, I was sweet with it. I was just filthy. I missed the bloody kick. You know, I, it, was, it was swinging around beautifully and then it just faded. But I remember we were the first of three, three games that day. 
down to Campbelltown. We were out warming up on that field, and I remember seeing that bloke who was abusing me walk in. He was wasted <laughs> with a couple of girls as well. Like they were layering up with each other, laughing away. So we're talking what, five hours before NRL kickoff at this point. I'm talking probably in the AM. Yeah. Um, I, I remember him walking in when just when we were walking up, uh, warming up, kicking the ball around, whatever. And you know, lo and behold. Here I was lining up a goal from the sideline and he was probably no further than two metres away from me. Absolutely giving it to me and yeah, it was pretty funny. Like it's just one of those things that continues on and then today, I mean sorry, not today, this year, um, for our Mad Monday, one of the boys, he got all my night's kit, he got his little mate to dress up as a Tigers fan. And they reenacted the whole uh, lolly leg scene. So, so still, still, still got you know. Excuse the pun, but plenty of legs. It's got plenty of legs. Yeah, it's pretty, it was pretty cool. I enjoyed it. So that's uh, a good, good humorous reason for yeah. you to stay in the memory, mate. So yeah, and, good laugh. Yeah, knowing you, you've got a pretty good sense of humor, so yeah. I can appreciate it. Yeah, Luke Dobell, look him up. You'll see it on his Instagram. That's good. <laughs> Love it. Speaking of Instagram, Josh, um, I checked out your Instagram recently, and I noticed your little byline there. Talks about a Yoda impersonation and uh, scoring some free yeah. movie tickets. You want to tell us the backstory there? So this was back when I did have a voice. Um, I was 18 and the episode 3 was coming out. Um, Revenge of the Sith, I think it was. So it was just on the local radio station. They said, give us your best Star Wars character impersonation. We'll give you free tickets to the premiere this Wednesday. So I said, Dad, give me a phone. We're in the car and I had this little Yoda impersonation um, down pat, but I can't do it now, obviously, because my throat's... I was going to say, it sounds more of a Darren Lockyer impersonation now, mate. Yeah, but I remember I, I said it through the phone and the guy on the other end, he was pissing himself. He thought it was the best thing ever. He goes, you win, you win, you stay there, I'll get your details and come pick up your tickets, so... No, it was pretty cool. I just thought, instead of having that I'm a plant-based, whatever kind of person as my Instagram bio, I thought. Well, it's, it's, it's certainly, it. certainly intrigued me, and you know, as I said, <laughs> I, I've known you for a number of years through through footy, and yeah, certainly uh, never would have posed a question for me before that. So that was two, that was 2005. So that's how long ago it was. Yeah, it's going back in time. Um, so as we just touched on, the next step in the career was jump on a plane and head over to the sunny north of England. Yeah. And, yeah. and Hull. Hull, yeah. Uh, doesn't have um, the best reputation from people who, you know, are not from there, but people who are from there, they think it's the best place in the world. And when I went there, it was the best place in the world. It was so much fun. Uh, and the people were just so genuine, so nice, even like, because there's two teams in Hull. Yep. And that rivalry is pretty brutal. Even when you have fans from the other team coming up to you in the pub saying, I'm an FC supporter, but I love how you play and the way you represent KR. And, you know, it was just the best two years ever. Um, yeah, it was so much fun. So, yeah, as you touched on there, obviously the two sides there and... Uh... Hull KR that you went to and Hull FC the other side yeah, the, yeah. 
the black and whites. Uh, and, and as you said, there's no love lost between the two. No, the um, you know they they live for those derby games, the fans, and you know any any reason to to get one up over the other. It's you know it's those days. So you know we in 2015 we we won our first derby, which was at their home ground in front of 20,000, and uh, you know that was that was one hell of a eye-opening experience um, but from then on we didn't have much success against Hull FC so you know they had the wood on us for the next couple of years after that certainly an interesting little uh, area there and I, I had a chat I ran into not long ago a guy who you played alongside at Hull KR and made the uh, very uh, uh, not, not unknown leap but uh, across town so to speak Albert Kelly Albert, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we and, uh, a couple of years ago. He said it was certainly an interesting experience going from, uh, you know, being loved. And as he said, it was never too much malice in it, but they yeah. did love their team, being loved from yeah. one side to being loved by the other. And, you know, not despised, but certainly not looked upon fondly. No, well, like, in the space of 12 months, a group of people can go from loving you and another group can go from hating you. And it's just a total switch. It really is. It's crazy. But, you know, that's how it is. It depends what colour your jersey is and... Yeah, the fans follow suit. Yeah. Um, so you end up with, it was a three-year deal, as you said. You end up playing two seasons, which we'll get to the end of that in a moment. Yeah. 2015 was a pretty successful season. You guys did reasonably well, and uh, you also got the opportunity to play in a Challenge Cup final. Yeah. Um, we, had a, we had a really good team in 2015. Just unfortunate because we had a lot of injuries as well. Like Terry Campisi, he did his ACL in May and you know leading up to that point he was he was player of the Super League too much running so that really hurt our sort of league chances but we still had a squad uh, good enough to compete in the Challenge Cup which were like literally just one off round robin games every six weeks so we had we had a really good run uh, we, we topped off Wigan uh, early on, who were grand finalists, um, who were huge. Uh, so that was a massive scalp. And then we had a good draw against uh, Catalan at home. So we we uh, beat them and then played Warrington in the semi-final. Uh, and again, we were underdogs. And like I mentioned before, where you only experience a couple of times where you know in your heart that you're going to win on a certain day because everyone's just, the energy's all in sync. That was the other day, you know. I remember just turning up there. We were like five to one outsiders or whatever. But we, we knew because it was raining as well, you know, we could give it to them and, and we did. And by far that was one of the best days of my life. Um, and I think we played our final that day yeah. which probably is the reason we got flogged in the final and you know there are other reasons as to why we got flogged in the final too but I remember waking up that, that Challenge Cup final day and thinking oh, I'm so exhausted mentally I was just fried and I thought this can't be good I wonder how everyone else is feeling and it probably turned out that way How was that, that time heading out 
you know, the Challenge Cup final, you know, the boy from Jillaby who thought playing for Wyong were his first grade was going to be an achievement. It's a, a long way removed from the farm at Jillaby. Yeah, um, you know, playing in front of, I think it was 80,000 that day at Wembley, which is pretty much playing at Wembley is the holy grail for any Englishman. So to, to have that experience, I think I probably won't appreciate it as much well, I didn't appreciate it as much then as probably what I do now, and I probably won't appreciate it as much now as what I do, will do in the future, just for how significant it is to play at Wembley in a Challenge Cup. Um, I knew it was big for our club and for myself when we made it because it was the first time in 30 years for the club, and it was a good feeling around town about it, um, but I, I just... We, we really screwed up that preparation leading up to that game in that, in that seven days and it showed on the field, I think. So 2015 outside of the loss, obviously a pretty successful season for you. You got across the strike plenty. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of football. It's a different thing to get used to, the, the sheer volume of football you play over there as well and obviously the climate that you had to adjust to. Yeah, I played, um, played up to 32 games in my first year. Um, Scored over 300 points, was a top point scorer, like in the regular season, I should say, which um, was another goal I wanted to do. And, um, you know, we ended up finishing 10th, so to, to achieve that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, it was, that was a big year. I was looking forward to, especially after the Challenge Cup, I was looking forward to to wrapping up the season because that Challenge Cup would have been my probably 27th, 28th game in the season. Which is probably around par on, yeah. a, on a New South Wales Cup season. So Yeah, so I was feeling pretty cooked mentally and, and not so much physically, but I think if you go on mentally, then physically you're starting to struggle. Um, but we, we held on. I held on for another three or four more games and yeah, really enjoyed my time in the off-season back here for six weeks and then back on the plane again, heading over for pre-season. And that's all, sort of said in the 2016. Um, 2016, bit of a disjointed season for you, mate. I'll let you tell the story, obviously. Yeah, I, um, I, it, it was kind of a shame because I worked my ass off here in that six-week period in the gym yeah, because I didn't want to go back. I didn't want to be one of those Aussies going back, overweight, unfit, not giving a shit. Um, you know, because I used that Challenge Cup final loss as my motivation during those six weeks. Um, so I had a good pre-season. You know, we had new staff, new coaches come in and, you know, round one came along and... I had a good round one game, scored a couple of tries, but in the final minute when I scored a try in the corner, I got a poke in the eye. Um, John Monaghan was the opposite winger, so he he got me with a, with a finger right in the eye and it, it felt really deep at the time and I didn't know, I didn't think much of it at the time, I just thought it was probably just a little bit scratched. But it swelled up straight away, and so I had to kick 
with one eye from the sideline in the last minute um, to get the draw, um, which was, I reckon that's probably one of my best ever kicks because we were down 16-10 and scored in the corner, the siren goes, I've got one eye, it's pissing down with rain, it's windy, I'm thinking, all I was thinking in my head as I was lining up, just don't miss it, just don't miss the ball. Make sure I actually make contact with the ball. conditions are that bad. Yeah. yeah, I don't care. You know, just don't miss the ball and look stupid. But I ended up snotting it and getting it. And uh, But I spent the next six weeks out because I did uh, some permanent damage to the back of my eye, which ended up affecting my vision. So essentially I've only got probably 50% vision in my left eye. Um, my right eye completely takes over now when I'm looking at things. Um, if I cover my right eye, it's all blurry and and disjointed, so it, I, I couldn't even trust myself driving with just my left eye. So I had six weeks off of that, came back for two games, and then Easter weekend in the Hull Derby, biggest game of the year, broke my arm in the first five minutes and I knew it didn't feel right straight away. Um, and I thought, well, it's a derby. I'm on the wing, so it's not too bad. Just keep playing. So I played the whole game with a broken arm, essentially. Um, and we ended up losing, and obviously went to hospital straight after the game. And, I don't want to say I was hoping that it was broken up because I did carry on at halftime thinking, I think it's broken, just please pat it up as much as you can for the second half and give me some painkillers. So it was broken. Thankfully, I didn't need an operation. So I was just stuck in a cast for 10 weeks and then I had to have an extra six weeks um, out of a cast just to strengthen it. So I missed 22 weeks of footy right there. Um, Played five, played five Super League games out of a possible 23. And yeah, heading into the back end of the season, I was I was fit because when I had that broken arm, I was just concentrating on sprint work, speed work, legs. So I was really, um, really quick, but ended up getting injured again with about two games to go. And, waited till the end of the season to get the operation for that. So it was a horrific year for injuries and obviously on the field, it didn't end well either, so yeah. which sucked, yeah. Touching on that, um, obviously a concept that's foreign to anyone that doesn't keep up with what the Super League was for that window of time. You went into that middle Super 8s, which is essentially a qualifying period, the teams that yeah. finished fourth and fifth in that at the end of that. Yeah. Play off in what they term the million pound game. Yeah. How was that experience? Um... It was a weird, it was a weird week, you know, you, you're either thinking, all right, we're going to be playing Super League next year, or all right, I'm looking for a job, <laughs> so. Literally is worth that million pounds, isn't it? So yeah, That's yeah. the difference of the clubs, and you guys went in as a team that had finished fourth. Yeah, so we got the hand ground advantage, yeah. yeah. Took on Salford, who'd fin run fifth. Yeah. Um, that was... You will never see a game like that 
ever again, I can swear to you. Um, we're up 18-10 with two minutes to go. They scored two late tries in that two-minute period. They missed both goals. Goes in a golden point. And first set they have, they kick a field goal from 46 out. And I remember I was 10 metres away from the goalpost and I was just watching it go over the head, turn around, and it was over the black dot and I'm thinking, fuck. That was a good kick. And then I just dropped on the ground. It was the worst. And, yeah. It's hugely impactful for all the, you know, import overseas players, obviously. Yeah, well, you know, it's... You don't know, because every other club's got their roster for the following year sorted with a spot here or there, but not at the price that you're worth. So, um, you know, it was tough. Tough going through that game, and then that was a Saturday. We spent the day together on the Sunday, and then we were called in on the Monday to talk about contracts because your contracts are basically null and void. Yeah, they're Super League contracts and you're now in the championship. Yeah, so they, the club renegotiates your contract. Um, I, was, I was brought in, had a meeting with Jamie Peacock and was told this is what you're offered. So I thought, okay. I had, I had no sort of negotiation. I was coming off the back end of the worst game ever and a day on the drink so I'm in no state to talk about this so I said to him I'm going away on holiday for a week if you need me talk to me but because um, the table the offer was tabled there to me then and I I didn't take it but I you know looked at it and whatever and um, yeah I was, I was just looking at other options because I personally did not want to play championship overseas away from my girlfriend at the time, well, he's still my girlfriend now, um, and had a much lower pay rate. So I said to myself, I've put absolutely everything into this t into these two years. I hope the club sees that. I hope the fans see that. Um, but I, I, I couldn't accept that offer. So um, when there was no other avenues to go down with any other teams in the Super League, I decided to come back home and um, you know join back up with Wyong in the New South Wales Cup under Rip Taylor, who I know very well, with Mitch Williams, with Ian Burke. So I could come back, play part-time, still get paid good, reasonable money and um, study full-time. So essentially get a year head start on my career after footy. So those two years you were in the UK, you touched on obviously your partner. Yeah. How was that? She was over here for the majority of that? Yeah, because she was looking at other avenues of study herself. So she's a qualified nurse. Um, she's now a qualified sonographer, like ultrasounds, babies and stuff like that. So we, 
Oh, we're, when I initially went over there, I got over there to set up. Look for the apartment, get the car. Take the apartment out, which was already furnished, thank God. So I didn't have to do too much. Um, so when she came over a couple months after that, you know, we just she just slotted straight in. You know, she was essentially there, you know, on a holiday. Um, and because we were, we were good friends with the cafe, because I lived on the marina, and on the opposite side of the marina there was a really cool cafe, and all the guys in there and the girls, you know, they were, they were great to me. I was, you know, plenty of banter. You know, they, they'll take the piss out of you after loss and tell you how good the other team is just to take the piss out of you. But, you know, my girlfriend ended up getting a job with them part-time, so, yeah, it, it all worked out well, and we got to travel a little bit um, here and there, but, yeah, it was tough, you know, being over there by yourself. But, um, you know, we made, it, we made it work. Yeah, and then, as you said, made the decision, you came back, got yourself yeah. into study, you were playing New South Wales Cup. Yeah. Another couple of seasons of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was... The first year back was tough. I found the uh, the transition from professional, full-time, playing in front of loud crowds to going back to part-time, playing in front of nobody. <laughs> really sort of unfulfilling, if I'm honest. Um... You know, even though I only got to experience that good side of rugby league for only a couple, probably two to three years, I, I can still see why players who've had a 10, 12, 15 year career, they struggle when they get out of it because there's just not that excitement, the adrenaline, um, all those sorts of emotions coming from it. So it was probably a good thing for me to direct all of my attention into full-time study so I can um, focus on something else apart from footy as well. Yeah, and so obviously after a couple of years there, the um, the Roosters made their fated decision to change the direction of the New South Wales Cup team. Yeah. Well, I believe it was Wyong's call to make okay. Yeah, so you know, as far as I know, Roosters were happy with that partnership and Wyong wanted to go a different different way which they did and you know that was their decision um, you know based purely on either a professional business point of view so um, most of us ended up sticking around um, anyway so yeah yeah and that leads to 2019 the season that's just in the rearview mirror now yeah pretty good regular season at Wyom playing with, with you know some of your mates and those sorts of Things, you know, obviously, as you said, Mitch, a guy yeah. that you've played a lot of footy yeah. with at different stages. Um, how was that coming back the next step to just playing back in the Central Coast first grade, which, you know, that first grade for Wyong at one point seemed the pinnacle for you? Yeah, it was it was really different. It was really tough. Tough as in it was tough to get yourself up for a game where you might think you're going to win by a lot. And to be honest, that's the state of local rugby league now. You, you, you'll have easy games and really hard games if you're far between. So it was tough 
mentally on that side of things. Um, you know, I really enjoy playing against the the higher teams like the entrance, like Erina, uh, Woi Woi. You know, they because you you were really in for a, a good battle. Um, but, but yeah, it, it was it was a tough year to sort it because you're going up and down, up and down, literally, mentally, emotionally. So, um, but it was good that we had a good cr uh, core group of players who'd play together at cup level, who were sort of um, leading the way in, in the local for our local comp team. So, which was led by Mitch Williams. So. Yeah. yeah, as you say, a huge disparity, and we're seeing a lot of the competitions, and it's obviously something this new New South Wales and CRL merger will look to address, but yeah, um, yeah. in the meantime, uh, I guess you persevere at Central Coast level, and the same at Newcastle, and yeah. so what does the future hold for Josh Mianolato? I mean, you've been through a lot of highs and lows over the last decade or so, you know, as, as we talked about, and we've, I've touched back on a number of times, you set that goal, you know, and some people might say you set the bar low for yourself. As you were coming through, wanting to play first grade for Wong, you've gone on and played in the NRL, you've played in two World Cups, you've played at Wembley, yeah. you've played in the Million Pound game. <laughs> uh, the Million Pound game is not the one you put on the shelf. Like. Yeah, no, well, <laughs> I listed it at the end of that, that list. You know, you've got you know, New South Wales Cup teams of the year, leading point scorers in you know, Super League regular season, a number of other you know, um, awards and accolades to your name. Yeah. That's obviously Josh Manalato, the footballer. Yeah. There's the other side, but what do both those Josh Manalatos look like going forward? Yeah, well, I'm heading into my final year of study at Newcastle, which is my fourth and final next year. Um, so I'm looking forward to finishing that off and, and to, to begin a permanent full-time job as a teacher. You know, I'm going to be a teacher with this voice, but, you know, depends what school you go to, I guess. Um, I just came off a, a four-week prac out in the country, out in Orange, so the kids were good to me out there and, and you know, the thing with, like, internet, social media, it, you know, after a week they sort of were asking questions if I was, if I played footy and all that sort of stuff and, you know, by the end of the four weeks they were kind of quizzing me about all that sort of stuff and, which was cool and, you know, it, it, it's sort of like a good, um, a good, not a good, probably like an icebreaker or, a, or an avenue to just to, just to create, you know, good communication with students. You know, you know, I did play footy here and there. And something they can relate to. Yeah, some, you know, it's, it's not all just about teacher chat, you know, it's just, I've lived a life before I became a teacher, so... Um, you know, I've got a bit of experience under my belt in life and, um, you know, not only just for footy, but anything really, like like going through that million pound relegation thing, that's a pretty critical stage in your life to go through and, you know, if anyone's going through any of that sort of stuff, but like with their parents, you know, kids can talk to you about that at school or whatever and, yeah, it's just, um, it helps having, you know, 10, 12 years of um, other things under your belt, I Life guess. experience. Yeah, and, you know, a bit of footing in there as well, never hurts, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that sort of part of my life. 
and still obviously we talked about it off air, still weighing up what the footy future looks like. Yeah, well, because I was on prac out in Orange, I, I missed out on the qualifiers for the 2021 20, World Cup. So we qualified. So I'm kind of thinking now, 2021, I'll be 34. Do I, don't I? I'll, um, it's over in England too, so it's a good excuse to get a free holiday and see all my mates back there, so. Wait and see how it pans out. Yeah, 2021, so that'll mean I'll have to play next year and the year after. Um, yeah, that's, that'll, that'll be the, That'll be the swan song? Yeah, I think so. If I can get there. If I can get there. And what about obviously, you know, you're doing the teaching, you're a footy tragic who's been through a bit of everything. Is there other involvement in footy later on, do you think? or? Um, I had a bit of experience this year with the Harold Matthews Roosters, just as a assistant, um, outside back sort of coach with uh, under Paul Stringer. That was a good experience. Um, but it might be something I, I'd go into later on. Couldn't see myself as a head coach. Too much stress, too much drama. Um, You'd lose what's left of that voice, mate. Yeah, you know, I'd, just, I'd love to be just a guy on the side, just instructing players one-on-one. Goal-kicking coaching, mate. Goal-kicking coaching, yeah, well... Teach a few people to get that height that you've always had, mate, on the ball. It, it really annoys me, actually, seeing NRL kickers, how bad they are sometimes. They're just like... I say you might get a call up with the Sharks, mate, the way they went this year. So. Well... <laughs> yeah, you never know. So, um, yeah, coaching maybe, but just purely in that sort of sense. Not the full-time sort of gig, but yeah, maybe... Well's your oyster, mate. Well, thank you very yeah. much for your time. We've gone probably a little bit longer than I thought we would, which is, you know, th- thanks, to, thanks to you, mate. Uh, it's not often someone gets in as many words with me sitting in the room. So <laughs> thanks very much for a bit of an insight into your life, times and career as uh, a professional footballer and also a bit of a you know different journey to the NRL to what many have had. So yeah. appreciate that, mate. And yeah, all, good. all the best with the, the future, whether it be playing that... Uh, Next World Cup, we'll keep an eye out for you. Yeah. Well, I, I suppose there's probably one one thing that comes out of, like, just chatting to me or whatever. is like, your rugby league career is not over if you don't get picked up after 20s or, you know, if you're 21, 22, like, so many kids give up. So, if... You don't uh, know what's around the corner, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I, I debuted at 26, so... Yeah. I had more experience between 26 and 31 than what I did between 21 and 26, so, yeah. If that's where the passion is, keep persevering, keep pushing on. Yeah, it's never over. Keep going. You'll have a good time playing footy for the next decade, even if you don't take that next step, I suppose. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you, if you want it bad enough, you'll get it, so. Lovely, mate. Well, thank you very much for your time. All the best with the...